little Tina Turner there in memory of her. Uh, one of perhaps the most inspiring uh, female artists out there passed away earlier this week. All righty. So what's love got to do with it? I'm sure she certainly has found out with all this outpouring of love to her friends and her family and in her memory. All righty. You are listening to Lavender Hill here on KZUM Lincoln, KZUM HD, 89.3 FM or online at KZUM.org. Perhaps you're listening using that handy-dandy, smarter-than-a-calculator device that you take everywhere with you. Wash your hands. And you're listening on our, uh, well, one of the mobile listening apps out there that you can use, like TuneIn or Next Radio, or you could be using our archives, which can be found online at www.kzm.org slash archives. You can listen up to two weeks after original broadcast date to this and any of your other favorite shows here on KZUM. Before I dive into the nitty-gritty and try not to bite through my tongue again this week, I want to say thank you to all of our donors who made it happen here with the Give to Lincoln season of giving. We raised $49,745 for KZUM. 641 of you made that possible, and that's before we even find out how much of that... uh, half million dollar pot we're going to get from the Lincoln Community Foundation. We get a a proportional percentage of that and it's based on the dollars raised, not on the number of donors. If it were based on the number of donors, well, we would get a little bit more, but hey, that's what it is. Thank you to the Lincoln Community Foundation. Thank you to all of our donors. Thank you to our uh, staff here at KZUM and all of our volunteers, programmers, and otherwise for making this possible for us. Alrighty, that's enough on that for right now. I'm going to dive into some immediate local news for you here. Well, kind of immediate. I mean, considering it was you know, the day after my last show, and it's been almost a week. But anywho, uh, according to um, several news sources, including WWT out of Omaha... Uh, the Nebraska state senator behind the filibuster that has spanned most of the legislative session said Tuesday that the signing of LB 574 wasn't the end of her fight for the LGBT community. That was in response to what Governor Jim Pillen did on the 22nd when he signed LB 574 into law and said that parents are duped by Lucifer if they believe that providing transgender care for our youth is a good thing. It's a little bit of a paraphrase. I'm actually going to read what he said here. Uh, So, yeah. Nebraska Governor Jim Pillen, or Governor Villain, as I think I'm going to be calling him, uh, is quoted during the Q&A session and while signing the bill as saying, you know, again, we believe in protecting our kids, making sure that they, parents and kids, don't get duped into this silliness that if you do this, you're going to become happy. This is absolutely Lucifer at its finest. And we believe this law protects and allows our children to make decisions on their own when they become of age. All righty. Alongside his two eldest granddaughters and surrounded by the state's Republican senators, Pellin signed LB 574, the bill to ban gender-affirming care for minors, which sparked ongoing filibusters from opponents throughout the session, and its attached 12-week abortion ban, Amendment 1658, days after it was passed by the supposedly nonpartisan unicameral. 
Uh, we enact laws simply because kids lack the necessary judgment to make the best decisions for themselves, he said before signing the bill. LB 574 steps forwards, making sure our kids aren't making harmful decisions that they're going to regret for the rest of their lives and that they're duped by outside voices. While not specifically referencing Kavanaugh, State Senator Megan Hunt of Omaha or any of the other senators who participated in the filibuster this session, the governor in his comments on Monday took indirect aim at senators in the Unicam who had spoken out against the bill, dismissing, quote, all the other stuff that people are trying to make it out to be, end quote, and saying the bill is, quote, simply about our protecting kids and saving babies, end quote. State Senator Kathleen Kouth of Omaha, who authored LB 574, echoed the governor's sentiments in her comments ahead of the bill signing ceremony, calling gender-affirming care a social contagion being inflicted on children. She's quoted as saying, we have too many kids who are being swept up in what is a social contagion and being told their bodies are not perfect the way they are. And if they just switch their gender, they'll be fine. Everything will be great, she said. That's not true. Our kids need help. They need to know they're perfect exactly the way they are, not the way they think they should be. And while the GOP senators who gathered in the governor's hearing room Monday signaled the newest laws were just the beginning, Pillen said that the state was prepared for any legal challenges that might lie ahead. LB 574, which the governor called, quote, the most significant win for social conservative agenda that over a generation has seen in Nebraska, end quote, goes into effect October 1st. The law bans gender-affirming surgeries for those younger than age 19, the age of consent in Nebraska, and what the bill's author called a compromise on the original legislation, which originally included a ban on puberty blockers and hormone therapy for those patients, New regulations for those treatments are said to be decided by the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services and the state's chief medical officer, currently Dr. Timothy Tesmer, an ear, nose, and throat doctor appointed by the governor earlier this year. Well, being an ENT specialist does not preclude him from having any say in things, but he is definitely a supporter of the governor and of uh, Ms. Kouth's bill here. So we kind of know where that's going to go. Nebraska Medicine reaffirmed its opposition to LB 574 on Monday after the bill had been signed, uh, but acknowledged the new laws put in place, quote, while Nebraska Medicine remains opposed to legislation that interferes with the doctor-patient relationship, the health system will comply with the newly passed law, even as it conflicts with long-established medical standards of care. Nebraska Medicine will continue to support its patients, staff, and physicians through these changes. You can go to WOWT.com and watch the entire Q&A session with uh, Governor Vellin there if you want. You can also find that link over on the Lavender Hill Facebook page. In just a little bit, it's the only link I didn't get posted because I pulled it up right before the show. But this post is already there or this link is already posted for you and it is the official statement from out nebraska in response to the governor abby swatsworth the executive director of out nebraska has issued this statement responding to comments made by governor jim pillen at lb 574's signing ceremony earlier this week 
And I'm going to read the entirety of it for you here. <clears throat> Governor Jim Pillen's inflammatory comments are appalling, especially coming from the highest office in our state. We expect our elected officials to conduct themselves in a way that shows respect for all constituents. These comments do quite the opposite. As an organization that serves LGBTQIA2S plus Nebraskans, we fear that the governor's comments will only embolden those who seek to harm us. Young transgender Nebraskans are seeing hateful rhetoric from their own elected officials normalized before their very eyes. Personal or religious beliefs should have no place in dictating how other Nebraskans choose to support their children and the steady chipping away at the parental rights of people who love their transgender, transgender children is an attack on the existence of all transgender people. To demonize supportive and loving families of transgender youth is to do a disservice to all of us. Every child deserves the right to be loved fully and authentically by their caregivers. According to the Family Acceptance Project, acceptance from family members promotes better self-esteem and helps protect against negative mental health outcomes and substance abuse issues in LGBTQ plus youth. Out Nebraska remains committed to supporting and advocating for our transgender youth, and we call upon everyday Nebraskans to condemn these disparaging comments from Governor Jim Pillen. His office can be reached at 402-471-2244. For those of you who may not be familiar with Out Nebraska, it is a nonpartisan organization working to empower, celebrate, and grow LGBTQ plus communities in Nebraska. For more information, you can visit outnebraska.org. That being said, it is time to take a little bit of a music break here, give my voice a little bit of a rest, and we'll be back with some more news, views, and my own commentary on a few things, I'm sure, right after this. We're going to hear from Miley Cyrus and Dolly Parton, but you can guess what that's going to be. All righty, Rainbow Land, the cut off of Miley Cyrus's Younger Now that uh, featured Dolly Parton. And, well, I've got a story that kind of follows up with that here in a little bit. So that's one of the reasons why that wound up on my set list. But there's other reasons, too. It's just a good song, I guess. All righty. So I'm visiting LGBTQNation.com for most of my news coverage for you again this week. Just how the cookie crumbled, I guess you could say. And according to an article by Daniel Villarreal from Wednesday, uh, May 24th, 2023, uh, headline reads, How New Mexico Quietly Became a Refugee State for Trans People. Over the last year, Texas, Oklahoma, Arizona, and Utah, four states bordering New Mexico, have all banned gender-affirming care for transgender youth. Meanwhile, New Mexico passed two laws ensuring that such care will remain legal statewide and that no government entities will ever help another state prosecute someone who obtains or provides that care. As a result, New Mexico is quickly becoming a refugee state for those escaping their state's anti-trans politics. That creates a unique challenge for the Transgender Resource Center of New Mexico, TGRCNM, the Albuquerque-based center is the state's only brick-and-mortar center run by trans people for trans people. Uh, to quote the executive director, T. Michael Trim, talking with LGBTQ Nation, 
we're geographically situated in between states that are struggling with treating people like human beings and allowing folks to have the bodily autonomy to take care of themselves in whatever way suits them best. So, folks are fleeing here in droves. End quote. It's difficult to quantify how many trans people have migrated to avoid trans health care bans. At least 17 states, including Nebraska, have passed laws restricting or banning such care for minors. Other states have also recently passed laws denying trans people restroom access, sports teams, and pronouns matching their gender identities. While Republican legislators claim such laws are necessary to protect children from quote-unquote indoctrination and harm, opponents accuse the GOP of inserting itself between families and doctors as part of its larger culture war on queer people, leaving some no choice but to flee their home states. Uh, New Mexico's laws mimic those of California, Minnesota, and other sanctuary states, which promise to protect the right to gender-affirming health care for youth and their families. As a result, out-of-state immigrants have increasingly sought help at TGRCNM, turning the center into a sort of trans-Ellis Island, according to Trim, referring to the New York Center in the early 1900s that processed European immigrants and refugees. The influx is challenging the TGRCNM to meet additional people's needs in an already under-resourced state. Statistics suggest that trans newcomers may suffer from higher rates of poverty, familial rejection, workplace discrimination, and other oppressions that result in increased houselessness, food insecurity, and poor health care. As such, some newcomers may need a lot of assistance to establish new lives. Uh, the center is equipped to provide some of that assistance to very many, very many people. Uh, among those ser- direct services for trans people in need are a drop-in center three days a week that provides showers, washers and dryers, prepared meals, an open donation clothes closet, a computer lab, a lending library, and workers who can help people access food benefits, health care, including SDI testing, needle exchange, and mental health counselors legal services, as well as housing and employment assistance. There is a lot going on in this article, so I'm going to let you follow that up for yourself. It's already been posted over to the Lavender Hill page on Facebook, but you can also find that at lgbtqnation.com. All righty, well, let's see what other dangerous waters I can try to tread here. Uh, Well, here's that story I was telling you about regarding Rainbow Land. Um, and this is more or less a follow-up. And this is from uh, earlier today, Molly Spray Reagan writing for LGBTQNation.com. On today, Sunday, May 28th, 2023, a teacher blasted her school for banning kids from singing Rainbowland. Eh, she's likely getting fired over it, unfortunately. A Wisconsin school district is on the verge of firing a teacher for calling out the school after it banned her first graders from singing a song that mentioned rainbows. In March, Melissa Temple tweeted that the Higher Elementary School Administration in Waukesha vetoed Miley Cyrus and Dolly Parton's 2017 collaboration Rainbowland, a song that imagines a world where everyone is accepted for who they are for the school's spring, spring concert. The district deemed the song controversial. Parents said the school has become increasingly conservative and that the ban was because rainbows are associated with LGBTQ plus people. 
After her tweet went viral, Temple was placed on leave. And this week, Temple told the advocate that the uh, school superintendent, James Siebert, had informed her that he had recommended to the school board that she be terminated. To quote her, the superintendent has recommended that I am terminated. And that's because the school board and the superintendent seem to be one and the same in the past two years. Whatever the school board wants, the superintendent is doing. It's not typical checks and balances. Well, we know how with funding from the Republican Party and different other organizations that are aligned with them, they gaslight everybody into believing that what they're pushing for is what the public wants. In March, Sarah Schindler, whose daughter is a Temple, is in Temple's class, told the Los Angeles Times that the decision to ban the song is the result of the, quote, conservative flip that the school board has undergone over the past few years. Schindler said there had been policy changes causing controversy in the community, including, quote, saying that teachers can't have any kind of signage that could be deemed political. Discussion of pronouns with students was another thing that came up, and teachers aren't allowed to wear rainbows, end quote. Another Wakesha parent, uh, Lee Radichel Tracy, said that the district, quote, has really cracked down on anything LGBTQ, and that the song being deemed controversial has not in any way come as a surprise. According to The Advocate, these policy changes have been fueled by Siebert. In fact, the Alliance for Education in Wakesha filed a complaint about him this year, accusing him of anti-LGBTQ plus discrimination. Temple can either wait for the board to decide if they will follow through on Siebert's recommendation, or she can ask for a hearing before the board. She said she is considering legal options, alleging the school has violated her First Amendment rights. There's a little bit more to this article, and I encourage you to check it out over on LGBTQNation.com. That link has already been posted to our Facebook page for Lavender Hill. There's a lot more that I've got to try to cover in the next half hour, but it is time for us to take our bottom of the hour break. When we come back, we'll have a little bit of music as well, just to give you all a chance to get up and dance. Ah, yes, perhaps some of you might think that I overplay Romanovsky and Phillips, but it's not all that easy to find such songs in a more modern tone, if you will. But anywho, we're going to be hearing some other classic uh, music here in a little bit for the uh, queer agenda, if you will. But uh, before we dive into that, you know, it's not all uh, roses and chocolate when it comes to the Texas GOP. According to an article by Daniel Villarreal on LGBTQNation.com from Friday, May 26, 2023, the headline reads... Texas House Committee calls to impeach anti-LGBTQ plus Attorney General Ken Paxton. And, well, it really doesn't have anything to do with him being anti-LGBTQ, but it may have an impact on some of those things he's been pushing, along with the governor and other GOP legislators in Texas. But anywho, a Republican-led committee in the Texas House of Representatives has unanimously recommended impeachment for State Attorney General Ken Paxton over corruption allegations. Concurrently, Paxton said State House Speaker Dade Fallon, or Phelan, uh, should resign over allegations of drunkenness. Both men have overseen numerous anti-LGBTQ plus actions in the state's capital. 
It's unclear whether Republican-led legislature will impeach Paxton, something that has only happened three times to elected officials in that state's history, if it doesn't impeach him before its legislative session ends tomorrow, it can convene a special session to do so. The House committee, consisting of three Republicans and two Democrats, voted on Thursday to move forward with impeachment proceedings against Paxton. Their vote occurred a day after investigators hired by the committee provided hours of testimony detailing how Paxton allegedly abused his office. The investigators said Paxton created a climate of fear in his office. Retaliating against workers who brought up concerns, Paxton also allegedly used his office to help an Austin real estate developer who was also a donor. The developer also hired a woman who was in a relationship with Paxton, according to the New York Times. A lawyer from Paxton's office, Christopher Hilton, called the investigator's testimony false and misleading. Hilton also called the committee's process completely lacking, claiming that the issues that investigators raised had been previously addressed. Hilton also claimed that Paxton could only be impeached for his conduct following the 2022 election, not actions from before then. Paxton is currently under indictment for securities fraud. In February, he paid a $3.3 million settlement to four top aides who accused him of corruption and retaliation. Paxton requested the state legislature to pay for the settlement. Phelan refused, and the House committee was formed to investigate the reasons behind Paxton's request. As the investigation wrapped up, Paxton spent two days this past week accusing Phelan of presiding over the chamber in a state of apparent debilitating intoxication, according to The Hill. The claim was driven in part by a video that appeared to show Phelan slurring his words. The video was widely shared by far-right activists who blamed Phelan for not passing various conservative bills during the legislative session. There's a little bit more to that article, and you can check that out over on our Facebook page for Lavender Hill, or just go over to LGBTQNation.com and look for it there. And it's, you know, all kinds of fun for the GOP. Uh, Greg Owen, writing for LGBTQNation.com on Friday, May 26, 2023. Uh, a Kentucky state representative says the LGBTQI plus community is a disease. Yeah, you heard that right. That spurious claim showed up on the YouTube channel for Republican State Representative Josh Calloway of Kentucky in the description for a video podcast about the recent controversy surrounding Target's Pride Collection. Calloway was widely condemned, then doubled down on the declaration, even as he laid blame on a staffer. The fact is that LGBTQI plus and gender ideology is spreading on social media as a social, social contagion and targeting confused children, he posted on Twitter. Mm. Sounds uh, like a little bit of an echo there from Kauth and Governor Villain. I am amazed at the hypocrisy, went on to say, of people who promote genital mutilation, <clears throat> chemical castration, and the murder of unborn babies, yet clutch their pearls when they read a description posted on YouTube by my video producer. I wonder who's clutching pearls right now there, Mr. Calloway. Uh, Target, the uh, 
large retailer, has been under attack since early May when far-right activists began complaining about the retailer's pride displays and recording visits to stores. Some videos show camera-wielding customers angrily confronting Target employees. Stores in South Carolina, Arkansas, and Georgia have reportedly relocated pride displays to the back of outlets and removed pride apparel from mannequins to reduce visibility. Ah, the summer pride merch includes designs from LGBTQ plus creators with rainbows and cartoons on t-shirts, socks, and athletic items, as well as housewares with LGBTQ plus affirmations. They've earned accusations Target is, quote, grooming and indoctrinating children. The AP reported on the false claim from right-wing agitators that the retailer was selling tuck-friendly swimwear for children. Those garments are available at Target, but only in adult sizes. By Wednesday, Callaway had removed the offending description on his YouTube channel and replaced it with another. The trans mind is mutating. That's not any better. Gay Republican operative Michael Frazier uh, commented on Callaway's Twitter double down, claiming he knows the legislator's heart and you didn't show it in this statement. Mm, maybe he did. Uh, I've seen the future of party, and it's not the words presented by Representative Callaway. In fact, when speaking to young Republicans, LGBT is number one issue for why young people leave our party, uh, Michael Frazier posted to his Twitter. Uh, language like this only inflames and dooms our future. We might be appealing to a certain base, but only on borrowed time. We must think and look to the future. Did a little bit of on-the-fly editing there because his grammar is atrocious. But you can read more about Callaway and his podcast series as well as what's going on with Target and other major retailers this Pride season, uh, which I guess you could say has already started, uh, by uh, just searching it out on your favorite web browser, or you can follow this article. There's embedded links in it. I've posted the article link over on the Facebook page for Lavender Hill. And, well, we're not done talking about Target and the boycotts associated with them and Bud Light. Uh, John Russell, writing on Thursday, May 25th, 2023, for LGBTQ Nation, uh, has an article entitled, Conservatives Admit That Bud Light and Target Boycotts Are About Making Pride Toxic to Corporations. Amid recent highly publicized conservative backlash to several corporations partnering with LGBTQ artists and activists, two far-right commentators are saying the quiet part loud. Their goal is to make support for the LGBT community toxic to brands. On Wednesday, Matt Walsh, a host for far-right media outlet The Daily Wire and one of the most virulently anti-trans voices in the country, kicked off a tweet storm about recent calls to boycott brands like Bud Light and Target by explicitly outlining what he says has been the goal from the start. To quote him from his tweets, the goal is to make pride toxic for brands. If they decide to shove this garbage in our face, they should know that they'll pay a price. It won't be worth whatever they think they'll gain. First Bud Light and now Target. Our campaign is making progress. Let's keep going. Mm, that's what that conservative says. On his own Daily Wire show, host Michael Knowles reiterated Walsh's point, saying, quote, 
This has been the point that has been building for months now, which is we need to make that symbol toxic. The pride flag symbol, we need to make that toxic, he said. We need to have companies think twice about it. He continued talking about Dylan Mulvaney. Everyone was talking about the Dylan Mulvaney incident as being harmful to the Bud Light brand. That's true. But more importantly, it was harmful to the Dylan Mulvaney brand. Now other companies are going to think twice before sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney because they don't want to lose $6 billion in market cap in two days. That's what we got to do. And then once we make these things culturally toxic, or as we're making these symbols culturally toxic, we've got to bring in the cavalry. We've got to come back in with more political force to ban some of the stuff and say no. Wow. He may not be a politician, but he's definitely an ultra-conservative pundit. And uh, he and his ilk are more or less kind of declaring war on pride and on the LGBTQIA2SOG community. At least that's this commentator's opinion. You can read the entire article, which has lots of embedded links in it, as well as images of the tweets uh, involved by going to lgbtqnation.com or clicking on the link posted to the Lavender Hill Facebook page. Before I continue on with some of my commentary here, we're going to hear one more song, uh, and I'm going to you know, give my voice a little bit of a rest. <laughs> uh, another one that I'm sure you've heard a few times here on the show from Judy Small. Kind of a companion piece, Romanowski and Phillips. This is Influenced by Queers. All I have to say in response to that song by Judy Small is if you don't want your children influenced by queers, maybe you should take them to another planet because we're everywhere. All righty. Well, we've been talking about uh, the Target Pride Collection controversy a little bit and... uh, out and proud rapper Little Nas X uh, kind of had a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek response to everything. And, well, this is something that he said that I can actually share on the air, which is not always easy to find. Uh, in a recent tweet in response to uh, the backlash over Target's 2023 Pride Collection, um, uh, he tweeted highlighting the stupidity of anti-LGBTQ plus trolls calling for a boycott of the retailer. Now, this is his tweet. Can't believe Target is supporting this nonsense. I'm never shopping there again. My son is not too cool for school. These shirts are ridiculous. He is going to school and he will learn. That's just, you know, another example of some of the stuff that Target does sell and so does some of the other major retailers out there. Just having a little bit of tongue in cheek there. It's like, you know, what's the point? of boycotting such a collection, you're not really going to have that kind of an impact. Yes, Target moved things to other areas of the store. Yes, they took things off the mannequins for the protection of their employees and customers because those ultra-conservative wing nuts out there, right-wing nuts at that part, uh, get a little violent sometimes. Now, of course, this article from LGBTQNation.com says it's hard to imagine that the artist who attended this year's Met Gala in a thong and head-to-toe silver body paint buys many of his clothes at Target. But you never know, as certain tabloids are so fond of telling us, stars, they're just like us. As Little Nas X's tweet implies, if the recent anti-LGBTQ plus backlash against Target's pride collection wasn't so disturbing and depressing, it would almost be funny. 
The retailer has rolled out its annual assortment of products celebrating Pride Month for more than a decade, according to a spokesperson for the company. The 2023 offerings include items like a pink fanny pack with We Belong Everywhere written on it, rainbow platform sandals, you'll never see me in those, I'm already tall enough, and t-shirts bearing images of RuPaul's Drag Race alums like Katya and Jinx Monsoon, among other clothing and accessories. It's tempting to laugh at the disproportionate outrage over such innocuous products, but anti-LGBTQ plus conservatives have gone completely berserk over the collection, reportedly leading to some truly scary moments. And you can read about some of those in that LGBTQ Nation article uh, by following the link on our Facebook page for Lavender Hill. All righty. Well, I've got just a little bit of time to try to squeeze some more things in here. And, well, we've got to talk about Florida man himself, Governor Ron DeSanctimonious. Uh, and according to an article from QWERTY and several other resources out there on the interwebs, uh, his official launching of his presidential campaign, campaign kind of turned into a dumpster fire as Twitter had glitches as he was doing his online tweeting. Uh, Ron, don't say gay, DeSantis' presidential announcement started with static. The combative Florida governor announced his candidacy for presidency Wednesday on Twitter spaces, only for the streaming tool to crash. Talk about a bad omen, right? I don't know. It really didn't affect uh, Microsoft all that much when uh, one of their uh, Windows operating systems seemed to crash on cue live on CNN. But hey, we'll just have to see. Uh, while more than 500,000 people tuned into the opening minutes of DeSantis' botched virtual event, only 163,000 listeners remained when DeSantis started talking after 25 minutes of silence. Twitter owner and loathsome billionaire Elon Musk was on the call with DeSantis along with right-wing tech entrepreneur David Sachs. That was insane. Sorry, said Musk. It was also a complete joke. Within minutes of DeSantis's flop, Joe Biden's team tweeted a fundraising message with a single tagline, this link works. As of Thursday morning, more than 11.4 million people have viewed Biden's tweet, far more than the number of folks who stayed with DeSantis throughout his rocky campaign kickoff. So, yeah. Mm. Rhonda, you, 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 uh, we're not even going to go there. Mm. Anywho, I'm getting ready to wrap things up here and hand things over to Deb Anderson on the women's show. Today, she's going to be interviewing... A, uh, another great musician, uh, Jane Burnett, on the Sweethearts and Badasses of Americana and Beyond. Burnett, pardon me. I put an R in there where there was a double N. All right. Thank you, Deb, for correcting me on that. Jane Burnett. Uh, and talking about her all-women Afro-Cuban band, which I'm not even going to try to say unless Deb tells me. It's Macaca. Macaca is what she thinks. Uh, so we'll just find out. And she's also going to be joined by Tom Einick, the host of the Afternoon Groove, later on in the show for some of his favorite music by, for, and about women. So stay tuned for that. And I want to remind you all that we are just a little shy of two weeks away from Star City Pride this year. That's going to be on Saturday the 10th uh, for the parade Saturday morning. And the festival site opens Friday evening for some festivities and of course the gates open at noon on Saturday 
Check out their website, StarCityPrideEvents.org, to find out more about what's going on. I'm hoping to have one or more of the board members or volunteers from Star City Pride Events joining me next week to talk about some of the stuff that's going on, as well as maybe give you a sneak peek at the headliners and some of the musical performances you'll be hearing. I'm going to play one of my favorites from Sarah Peacock, who was a headliner for Star City Pride a few years back. Uh, We are going to hear the cool kids off of her album, Burn the Witch. Stay tuned for the women's show and all the other wonderful programming here on KZUM.